Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, we're live. Good morning, everyone. Come on, loud. Good morning! Let's make it sound like we got 300 in here. Thank, thanks for spreading out and making it look like we're, we're full this morning. I'm, uh, I'm really happy that those of you that came, came, because me and Kevin just talking to each other just doesn't cut it. So uh, thanks for braving the weather and, and, and actually getting out to, to share God's word together. Um, we appreciate all that and appreciate your dedication to, to this ministry by coming this morning. Um, before I get started, we, we've got uh, beef now available. So I see Gerald and Kathy are here. If, if anybody needs beef or knows of anybody who needs beef, please let us know. It's we got three freezers full and uh, it's ready to give out. So, <clears throat> and then today is National Anthem Day. Um, and so since we're all Americans and, and because of our, uh, because of our freedoms here, we get to stand up here without persecution and, 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 worship the way that, that we want to and in, in, in the way that God asks us to. And so as a special treat today, I'm going to sing you the national anthem. Everybody knows better than that. We've got two beautiful girls who are going to come up and sing for you, Emily and Victoria. <clears throat> Outstanding. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's even better because they didn't know they were doing that till about five minutes ago. So they, they got to practice once. So, uh, that's been our national anthem since 1931. And so uh, it, it just makes you proud to be an American. All right. So I forgot my notes today. Uh, 
and the Holy Spirit filled in for me this morning, so I'm counting on him doing it again here uh, at this one. Uh, how many people in here have horses? So most of the church is broke, I can see. Uh, we, uh, how, many, how many people that have horses are, are frustrated with your horses ever? All of us. Just the bills? You're not frustrated with the horses themselves? <laughs> horses for sale? <laughs> Anybody who's been around horses knows that, that, they're, that, that sometimes we struggle with them because, because we don't have the same brain as a horse. We don't have the same mind as a horse. And so there's going to be a gap there um, of understanding. And, and a long time ago, a uh, really good horseman told me, he said, Ty, you're just not going to have much luck if you expect a horse to, to think like a human. They just don't have the capacity to do that. He said, if you, if you want to really uh, be a good horseman, you've got to learn to think like a horse. And you've got to learn to be like a horse. And so <clears throat> that's what I started doing. I... I uh, you know, went to every clinic I could. I listened to every good horseman and horsewoman that I could uh, to learn about it. I read every book that I could find about horses to learn how to, to be like a horse. And you can ask my wife. I practically lived with them out there. I was, I was out all the time with my horses, watching them, observing them, riding them, doing things with them, and trying to figure out their mind uh, to become more horse-like and uh, Every night I'd go to bed, and every morning I'd wake up expecting to have a mane and a tail when I woke up, and it never happened. Uh, but I did, I did learn a lot about horses and, and how they think in their, in their minds and, and uh, how to get into a horse's mind and became more horse-like. How many people in here have cattle? Oh, there's all the rich ones, all you big cattle barons. <coughs> Cattle's the same way. I, I, uh, I worked for a guy in, in high school who was the, embodied the, the vision of the, of the cattleman, and he knew cattle inside and out. He looked like a cow. He smelled like a cow. He was usually covered with cow manure, and he acted like a cow. Okay? And this guy knew cattle, and that's what, he told me the same thing. He says, if you, if you don't want to have the struggles with cattle that a lot of other people do, you've got to learn to think like a cow. You gotta, you've got to be more cow-like. Uh, and so... Over the past several years, that's what I've been working on too. Is trying to trying to understand cattle to the point where, where uh, a lot of the troubles and problems that we have with them go away because because we understand how they think and you can set things up when you're working cattle to to work with the way that they think and uh, we can avoid a lot of the conflict with them. And just the other day, Brett and I were out working some calves, some some yearlings, and we had to load some of them up and and uh, get them bangs vaccinated, some heifers and and. Uh, <clears throat> we had part of the cattle in one pen and part in the other, and, and I was just standing in the gate and doing nothing, and it was making Brett uncomfortable. Cause he's like, what are you doing? Am I supposed to be doing something? What's going on? And I, I think he thought I was having a stroke or an aneurysm or something, but I was just standing there observing because I, when cattle get stressed, and, and, and it was just a situation there where I really wanted to know what these young cattle were thinking, what they were going to do so that I could file that away for future reference. And, and so I'm starting to become more cow-like. How many people in here have dogs? Dogs are a mystery to me. Uh, I've not been real successful in becoming dog-like. I've just become success, successful in yelling at them, mostly. But uh, I, know, I know people that are good with dogs, that's what, that's what they say. They understand dogs. They understand a dog's mind, and they, and they work with dogs like, 
like dogs do with each other, and, and they be, they've become more dog-like. <clears throat> so when we're, when we're talking about our walk with God, what, what does everybody always say when, in Christianity? What's our goal? To be Christ-like, okay? So how do we become Christ-like? We've got to understand the mind of Christ, okay, in order to become Christ-like, okay? <clears throat> well, that's, uh, in a lot of my life, has escaped me too because I've always sort of, felt like there was a gap in there, a distance, um, where God was here and we were here and we were, it was always going to be a mystery. We're, we were never going to be able to understand him. We were never going to be able to bridge that gap. Okay. Well, then I read something the other day, first Corinthians two, verse, verse 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That was big time for me. <clears throat> we have the mind of Christ. Okay? I'll never have the mind of a horse, because we're different. We're two separate beings. Never have the mind of a cow. I'll never have the mind of a dog. I'll never fully understand them. But we have the mind of Christ. Okay? And that I did not know that before yesterday. Uh, <coughs> how do we have the mind of Christ? Okay? Well, God saw fit to make himself human and, and come to this earth in human form so that we could have, have an example of how we should act, of how we should talk, of how we should think, of how we should should be. And that person was Jesus Christ. Okay? And Jesus lived here for a short time uh, to show us that, to, to show us how we should be as humans on this earth. Um, and, then, and then when he was sacrificed and, and, and when, went to heaven, okay, now, now we don't have that example anymore. Okay? And we haven't had an example of God as a human on this earth since. But when Jesus left, he left, left us with the Spirit. And that now is our example of, of the mind of Christ. Because the Spirit is in all of us, uh, is living in us as believers. And that is how we, we tap into the mind of Christ. So what, what example did Jesus leave? He, basically, I mean, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's years of reading material on, on Jesus Christ. But the, but the two most basic things are he taught us how to love God. And he taught us how to love each other. Uh, and so where do we start? How do, how do we tap into the mind of Christ? How do we know what that means? Uh, well, just like with, with uh, my vision of, of learning about horses, we have, to, we have to use our resources. We have to um, read all the books we can. There's 66 books right here that tell us how to love God and tell us how to love each other. Okay? Uh, we can go to clinics. Kevin calls this a clinic today. That's where we're at. To learn how to to relate to the mind of Christ, you know, I've I've spent a fortune going to to horse clinics and learn, trying to learn things and do things like that. 
I've never spent a dime going to a Christian clinic and trying to learn anything. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Uh, we, can learn, we can learn about uh, the mind of Christ through observing. Uh, when, I was, when, I, when I go to work cattle, I always observe how good cattlemen, good, good cowboys work cattle. Um, I got to observe an example of the mind of Christ this week uh, because I got the, the blessing of watching my wife minister to a dying man this week. And here's a big, strong, you know, uh, good, gentle man laying on his deathbed, weighing half of what he should. And as Kathy talked to him and prayed for him, we literally saw the light of God shine through his eyes. And so thank you for that. It was a, it was a huge blessing. And, a, and it was a, a te teaching moment <coughs> for me, a, a learning moment for me, a teaching moment for Kathy. Uh, to be able to see, I got to see the mind of Christ at work right there um, through, through a fellow believer. So that, that's a way we can learn. Um, just like back then when I used to literally live with those horses to try to learn more from them, we need to live with, with God. We need to live with him. We, we need to spend every moment we can. Uh, how, many, how many of us spend every waking moment with, with our Lord? Very few. That's what it's going to take to, to understand the mind of Christ and, and to be a part of that and to, to know him. Um, so how do we do that? We have to let the Holy Spirit in. We have to trust in that. We have to open up in, in those situations where, where life's a wreck. You know, we, we talk all the time about cattle work and, and horse work, and, and we talk about all the wrecks because it's exciting stuff, right? We don't ever talk about the, the day we went out and we moved cattle and nothing ever happened, right? That, that's not a story. Uh, when we talk about all the exciting times and the wrecks that we're in and the, and the, the tough times, um, whenever I'm in a tough time with cattle or a wreck's shaping up, you know, I've learned to see the whole picture and to be able to slow down and, and, and look at that situation and know the way out of it. Uh, that's what we've got to do when we're in a wreck in life. We, we need to be able to slow down, look at the big picture, and let the Holy Spirit in because that's the mind of Christ entering us, and, and we can handle it. We can handle any of it. Because we share his mind. Uh, I don't have my notes, so I can't remember where everything where I where I needed to go with this. But uh, uh, it, it it's really gives me a lot of hope in my life, knowing that that I have the mind of Christ. It it's, it's uplifting because it 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 alleviates a lot of those uh, distances that I've always felt between between myself and, and our loving God, because I didn't think it was attainable. But through Christ's mind, it's attainable. We can have that relationship. We can, we can share in that. And we'll never be perfect, but through, through Christ, God looks at us, and he sees Jesus, and we are perfect, and we have his perfect mind. So it's my goal that we can tap into that and, and, and use that and, and uh, have that goal of, of having that perfect mind with Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the today and all these people who 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 don't let weather get in the way of of uh, what's really meaningful, and that's and that's to meet together, to hear your word, and to fellowship with each other and to support each other. Thank you so much for Kevin and his decision to to come here to Kiowa and lead us. Uh, the devil attacks him and his family every day. I just pray that that your hand and your protective guidance is is over him. I thank you so much for my wife and son and my family who. Support me as we uh, as we try to lead this ministry. Thank you for all those who who uh, so unselfishly serve this country and and serve each other and serve this church. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
Very good. Isn't it crazy how you forget your notes and then you did great? I've done it before. Y'all, you probably shouldn't just throw them away. That's no doubt. That's no doubt. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Welcome to everybody that's braved the uh, winter here in Kiowa to Kiowa, Colorado. If you're, if you're watching online wondering, you know, where we're at, we are in uh, Kiowa, Colorado. And uh, anyway, it's good to see everybody here today. Uh, Save the Cowboys a sick pin for sinners, not a show ring for saints. Uh, we say that each and every week and we'll continue to say it. A uh, couple of things that I also say each and every week is that your Christianity, your relationship with God is, is a personal relationship, okay? You, you can't have a relationship, God, through me, okay? I, I'm not the go-between. Jesus is the go-between between you and God, okay? So basically what I'm saying is I can't be a Christian for you, Okay, you, you, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not your poster boy, okay? I'm not, I'm not your poster boy. I'm not your example. Jesus is your example, okay? That's who we're gonna follow. My job today is to give you practical information on how to develop that relationship with God and practical advice on how to, as Ty's talked about, have the mindset of Christ and live the Christian life life. So that's, uh, that's what we do here at Save the Cowboy. And we're glad that, uh, that you are here. So without further ado, uh, turn with me to, uh, James chapter three, James chapter three. So, uh, years about 15 year, uh, about the year 15 BC, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily mean what you think it does, that means 15 years before I became a Christian, 15 BC. Uh, uh, and when I say that, I mean like before I was a follower of Christ. I, I, I was raised in the church and I've always believed in God, but there's a difference. And I think that y'all that, that are doing this, y'all understand it. But those of you that aren't doing it need to understand this also, that you can believe God, you can believe in God, without following God. And if you're not following God, you're really not believing in him, okay? So anyway, this is about 15 before I, before I started following God. And I was in my hometown and had come back from, I was working on a ranch and I came back, you know, tough cowboy, come back home, seeing all of his friends. And, and, we, and we hear of a, a, of a party at a local Residence. Well, you know, if you're from a small town, I graduated with 53 people. You know, it's not hard to hide a party in, in a town that size. So everybody congregates at, at a uh, at a trailer house. Now, if you've never been to a party at a trailer house, <laughs> you just haven't really lived. And let me assure you, nothing ever good comes from a party at a trailer house. Okay, it'll start out really good. And it will end up as you will see. So anyway, I, I go to this party, at me and a couple of buddies, and, and we roll off in there. We walk in with all the cowboy swag we got. So, you know, and talking to a bunch of people. And one of the first people I notice is somebody strange. She is not from the hometown. She is an ex-girlfriend 
that's from like 70 miles away. And what she's doing in my hometown, I have no idea. But she sees me and um, how, how do I say this? We did not split amicably. Okay. We did not split amicably. And so one of the first things she started doing, as soon as she saw me, it started hanging over every guy. Oh, geez. Yeah. You know, all, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, whatever, you know, what, whatever. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care. And, and so when that doesn't get my goat, then she comes up and now we're best friends. Oh, hey, I didn't see you. Even though I've been staring at you for 45 minutes, I didn't see you. Give me a hug. You know, and I'm like, hey, you know, and, 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 and so that doesn't really get my goat. And so anyway, in, in a little while, we're standing with a large group of people and we're standing outside this trailer house in the front yard. And, and, and she waits until there is this large group of people. And then she wades in to all these people so that she's the center of attention. And she accosts me. She, a very uh, confrontationally walks up. And of course, everybody stops. See, the thing about the cowboy culture is every cowboy loves a good wreck and we can spot one coming. And there's a lot of cowboys there and they have spotted one coming. Unfortunately, uh, she is coming after me. And so she walks up to me. I have done nothing wrong up to this point. I've been nothing but nice. And let's see, how do I say this? First, let me offer a disclaimer that Save the Cowboy neither condones nor endorses anything that the preacher has said before he became a preacher. Okay, I just need to make that disclaimer right now. Okay, I'm not proud. I, I, I'm not bragging. This is for illustrative purposes only. So disclaimer out of the way. She walks up to me and let me edit this for content. Um, she walks up to me and she says, well, I got a question for you. I frown, 42 cowboys smile. And she goes, I want to know why you're telling everybody that I'm promiscuous. And I looked her right in the eye and I told her the absolute truth. I looked down at her and I said, I've never told anyone any such thing. And that was the honest truth. That was the honest truth. And you, you know, you can tell when somebody's telling the truth because they never bat an eye. And I had never said that. I, I don't know that I have ever said that about any female in my entire life. I just wasn't raised that way, right? And so have you ever noticed that there is a magical point in any confrontation when you have been the bigger person? When there, there's a magical point that up until this point, despite all the hanging all over everybody else and her trying to be my best friend, even when I'm like nearly physically all up in my face with a finger pointing, I have still, I, I, I have still conducted myself admirably. 
Even when faced with an accusation, she says, why did you tell people that? I looked at her right in her eye and I said, I have never said that. And she didn't know what to say. But see, I've just been ridiculed in front of everybody. And there's a part of us that just, don't, don't we just have to say something else? We just, th- th- there's like this need, like a little atomic bomb that goes off when we feel slighted or our, our pride is hurt or you just like, ah, why is she doing this? And I want to get back at somebody. So I, as I looked at her and I said, I have never said that. I didn't stop. I added, but I won't lie if anybody asks. And that's when the fight started. (laughs) I didn't say it was right. What I thought was her walking away because she turned, she was not walking away. She was reaching from left field. And that little five foot two Victoria, not so secret model came from left field with her fist balled up like a man and hit me as hard as I have ever been hit in my life. Square right here, not a centimeter to one side, not a centimeter to the other side. She hit me as hard as I have ever been hit in my life. And you know what I did? I took it. And then... She balled up her fist again and she come from left field again. And I pulled out my Iron Man superhero Marvel comic. And when she threw this one, I caught it right here. And I said, I deserve the first one. I said, but only one. And I said, you got me good. But if you're going to ball up your man like a fist, or if you're going to ball up your fist like a man, then from here on out, you're going to be treated like a man. So I suggest we just call it even. And I let her hand go. And she turned around and ran off towards the house, which I was thankful because I wouldn't have done nothing to her. I was just trying to call her bluff. And luckily it kind of worked. She turned around and stalked off. And I thought my problems were over as I checked my nose for blood, but my problems had just begun. See, she went in for backup. And she found the biggest dude at the party and whispered a little something in his ear. See, the lie that I tell myself, that's what we're in the last part of a series called the lie that we tell ourselves. And the lie that we tell ourselves is this. We have to say something. We, I just can't keep my mouth shut. I just, I can't. How many times have we said this? When we know that we've said something that we shouldn't, no matter the case, when you know you've said something that you should not, right or wrong, and then we make this, we state this lie. I couldn't help it. Uh Uh-uh. That is a lie that we tell ourselves. I couldn't help it. I had to to say something. If I would have just walked away at the very beginning, I would have saved myself so many problems. 
so many problems. And how many times in my life has there been that exact situation in a different form when if I would have just kept my mouth shut and been upright and, 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 and pure in standing and, and just held on to the truth without any malice or contention or anything like that. But we let pride just spill out of our mouths and then we just get ourselves in a big old wreck. And, I, and we tell ourselves, I just couldn't help it. That is a lie. See, we have big trouble from a little tiny opening in our face. A lot of trouble comes from, from, from this, this little hole in our face. And in James chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus' half-brother, the Holy Spirit speaks through him. And, and, I, and I've read this before. I've read this before, but, but it just it, it, it kind of like came to life with new meaning. James says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Nothing wrong there, right? Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. What James is saying here is, man, this is the start of all of our problems. Because if we could just control this, man, you know, we've got all of these things that we deal with all the time. But James is saying, man, if you could do one thing, if you could just control the hole in your face, then we could be perfect and could also not just that, but we would learn to control all the other aspects of our lives. Indeed, we make many mistakes for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James chapter three, verse two. See, the, t- the tongue could, get, could be the key to our perfection, but instead it is the cell of our demise because we can't, we don't think about what we're saying or how, and it's not just the words we use. Sometimes it's, it's how we say them. Man, most of our, most, if not all of our problems have a stem from something that has come out of our mouth. James goes on to say that it's like a bit in a horse's mouth that we can, that we can control a horse w- w- with just a little bitty bit in its mouth. We can control a 1,500-pound animal. And isn't it funny how this little bitty thing in our mouth controls us? But we tell ourselves a lie. I have to say something. James goes on to say that a little bitty rudder on a ship can turn, I mean, can turn a great big ship right into a wave or up on a sandbar or something, all sorts of things. Doesn't take something big to have a big effect on us. He also says that it's a tiny spark that can cause a fire. And in verse six, he says this, it, speaking of our tongue, it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Those are very, very, very strong words from the Holy Spirit through Jesus's own half brother, James, about the power that we have in our mouths, the power to condemn, the power to hurt. I went through the Bible and there are tons on this subject. 
There are tons of Bible verses that speak to this very thing. And I'm just going to real quickly share with you five verses that I feel best explain what this, what James is trying to tell us. The very first one is found in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Now, a lot of people say, well, I just don't, the Bible's just too hard for me to understand. I just, I just don't get what it's saying. Look, if you don't understand this, man, come talk to me, okay? And I'm gonna look at you and go, really, you need me to explain that to you? Here's what it says. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. What? What is that really trying to say? Hmm. Let's go deep theologically here. You don't have to go deep. It said to keep your mouth shut. Okay. It doesn't get any simpler than that right there. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. And you know, it's true. You know, it's true. Because there's that magical moment and you've been there at that magical moment when everything's good and you've got the opportunity to just walk away like a boss, right? Boom, mic drop. But yet, nah, you got to mouth off, don't you? You got to mouth off. The second verse is found in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Look, this... This verse is often used by religious people, you know, in, in reference to, to cussing, to saying four-letter words. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that we should walk around saying four-letter words. But what this really means is to watch everything that comes out of your mouth, not just four-letter words. Because I know of a lot of gossiping and slandering and hurtful things that don't include a four-letter word that are a lot worse than any four-letter word out there. So you religious people that want to throw out this is just for cussing, man, you need to go read this again and look yourself in the face in the mirror. It says, let everything you say be good and helpful. It doesn't say stop cussing. It says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Ephesians 4.29. The third one also found in James If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Now, he's not talking about religion in a bad sense, okay? He's basically saying right here, if you claim to be a follower of God, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your belief in God is worthless. Don't you like it when the preacher preaches out of James? (laughs) James is where every cowboy is descended from because he don't mince words. He just tells you right like it is. He ain't, he's going to tell you the truth. He ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings, step on your toes. But if they're out there, he's not going to back down from it. He's not going to tippy toe around. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. The fourth one, Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Many saying even the biggest fool in the world will look smart if he just keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> some, some famous person, I think it's like Abraham Lincoln or somebody says, better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. Right? Got to learn to keep our mouth shut, man. And the last one from the words 
of our Christ and Savior himself. Found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. And he called the people to them and said, Now, do you think if Jesus is going to call people to him and say something, that it, it just might be important? Okay? That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But if our Lord and Savior calls everybody around and says to them, and even if he says these three words to begin with, hear and understand, listen and comprehend. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth that defiles. It's not what you put in your mouth that makes you a bad person. It's what comes out of your mouth. In another verse, it says, out of our mouths flow the true nature of our hearts. That is scary, folks. What comes out of your mouth? See, Jesus was the word of God. He was what came out of God's mouth was the word of God. And the word of God was made flesh and it was perfect. What would your word be if it was made flesh? I'm pretty sure mine would look pretty horrible. And for that, I'm ashamed, but it gives me something to work on. Let me summarize these top five Bible verses about keeping your mouth shut. This is your simplified grandma version, okay? If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. I ain't telling you anything you ain't heard before. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So how do we keep our mouths shut? I mean, this is all good and well, right? I mean, I, I, I know most of you, is, you know, you're like, okay, ah, yeah, yeah, you're probably right, Kevin. You're probably right. I need to keep my mouth shut. But we just don't know how to do it, right? We don't know how to do it. So I came up with something that will hopefully help you to remember to keep your mouth shut. I call it the Mel Tillis pray method. Pray, okay? The first P is prepare. Okay, that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're gaining knowledge. We're learning what the Bible says about it. We can have a little bit of fun with it, but it doesn't take away from the truth of it. We've got to prepare and we've got to know what we should do, right? And then the second P is practice. Okay, we've got to practice it. All right, look, th th there's this thing in Christianity that just irks me that, that a lot of people view Christianity with a been there, done that attitude. Look, just because you kept your mouth shut in 1973 one time does not mean that you don't ever have to do it again, okay? We, we've got to practice. We've got to do it over and over and over, and it's not going to be easy the first time. It's probably not going to be easy the 1,000th time, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep doing it. We've prepared ourselves. We know what God says about it. God says that we could be perfect if it, we could just learn to control our tongues and, and we could control the rest of everything else if we just learned that one thing. You want to talk about hacking Christianity? Let's start with what we say. And the last P in Mel Tillis' pray method of keeping your mouth shut is perform, perform. Look, if you've prepared and you've practiced, you'll perform, okay? We're not talking about getting it right Every once in a while, we're talking about preparing, practicing, and being able to perform. In other words, getting it right most of the time. Like 99 will never be perfect, but just because we'll never be perfect isn't an excuse to be imperfect and be okay with it. 
We've got to learn to perform. We've got to learn to keep our mouths shut. The R. If you're still having a hard time with it, if you're having trouble with, with preparing and practicing and performing, then there's a second plan, okay? And that's R. That is remove your shoes and socks. I know it's crazy. Remove your shoes and socks. The A stands for apply the dirty sock to the roof of your mouth. If you have to, if you're having a hard time with preparing and practicing and performing, it's real easy. You do it. Most of you do it at least once a week. You take your socks off, stick that dirty sock in your mouth and bite down. It will keep you from saying something. It might not keep you quiet, but it will keep you from saying something. And the third thing, if preparing or preparing, practicing and performing doesn't work, once you remove your sock, apply it to your mouth. The Y stands for walk away. There's a Y in a way. So that's how it works. Just give me a break. I'm, I'm trying. Just walk away. Just walk away. See, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptation in your life, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And you know what one of those ways out more often than not is? Just walk away. You don't have to say something. You do not have to say something. As I stood there wondering what had just happened while I'm checking my nose for blood, one of my friends yelled, look out. And I turned around and what appeared to be the macho man, Randy Savage, was jumping off a trailer house porch, attempting to body slam me. Well, I was cowboy and ninja enough to avoid said confrontation. And I moved out of the way and I was like, what are you doing? And he turned around and my good friend scattered and jumped the fence, left me in the pen with this mad bull all by myself. And he rushed me again, but luckily I had fat fought mad mama cows enough that I waited till he got close and he was real big. So he wasn't as nimble and as quick as this ninja cowboy. So I just sidestepped him, right? Still talking to him. What are you doing? He turned around. And he said, I'm going to show you what I do to little scrawny cowboys that hit girls. I'm like, what? I'm like, I didn't hit anybody. Well, that's not what I was told. And here he come again. I sidestepped him again, man. I'm like matador, right? Then I got cocky. He's a little smarter than your average mad mama cow. And I zigged and he zigged too. And caught me with a hand about the size of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I was unsure what to do next. So I did the only thing I knew to do. I climbed him and wrapped my right arm around his cranium and did sign language with four knuckles of my left hand to try to convince him of my innocence. It was very ineffective, very ineffective. So as this is all happening and I'm still telling him, I didn't do anything as I did sign language. And so a buddy of mine decided to jump the fence and help me. And he tackled both of us into some bushes. And if you've never been in a fight in bushes in a trailer park, uh, you just haven't lived. And so, uh, Anyway, 
Now there's two of us on one in the bushes and we're still outweighed by 200 pounds. And then I hear another friend of mine come and he gives his Viking, his Viking war cry and he jumps like Michael Jordan from the free throw line and lands with both knees in that fella's back about right there. And that's when I heard him make his first sound. It's like, I got him now. And then my latest additional friend disappeared. I didn't know what happened to him. And then the second friend that had joined in, or really the first one, whichever one you want to look at it, he disappeared too. And I couldn't figure out where all my buddies were going. And then something strange happened to me. It's the first and only time in my life this has ever happened. And I pray to God that it never does again. But there was an even bigger dude at the house. He was a defensive lineman at a Division I school. And he was about eh, Goliath. We'll just say he's about the size of Goliath. Have you ever been picked up by the scruff of your neck? It is a strange feeling to be lifted, not by your throat, but by the scruff of your neck. And I don't care how ninja cowboy you are. There is no counter move except this. You can't kick him. You can't do anything. So I just, I just sat there and he said, he said, I'm not going to be having no three on one. I said, he still outweighed us. And he goes, well, it's not fair. And I said, not fair. I said, there's been nothing fair about this in the beginning. And then he said words that I'll never forget. And he said, Well, he wouldn't have started anything if you would have just kept your mouth shut. And there's nothing I could say to that. None of this would have happened if you would have just kept your skinny, stupid mouth shut. There's nothing. As my son has a habit of saying right now, that's facts. That's facts. So, as I dangled there (laughs) by my neck with my feet off the ground, listening to sound wisdom, I can't argue it, he let me go. It was about five or six feet across the hood of a car onto the other side to which I got up and thanked him that that's as bad as I got. But if you never listen to another word I say, if you hadn't heard anything else today, please listen right now. You will not explode if you keep your mouth shut. Okay? You will not explode if you keep your mouth shut. And that's facts. Let's go to gun prayer. Father, we've had fun and laughed today, but the seriousness of the message is not lost on us. Please help us to control our tongues and to watch what we say. Just because we have an opinion doesn't mean we have to share it with anyone and everyone. God, there's an epidemic of of people just going around saying whatever comes to their mind without regard to the consequences. And I don't care what anybody says, man. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words do hurt. They have power. God, help us to use that power for encouragement and kindness and love to lift people up. 
Because whenever we have to say things to defend our pride, to defend our ego, that's the, pure, that's the purest form of pride. And it always leads to a fall. When we feel like we just have to say something, we can't keep our mouths shut. That's the quickest way to a fall and a problem and trouble. God, thank you for forgiving us, saving us, and loving us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. And as I say each and every week, just in case you haven't heard it, I love each and every one of you. And we hope to see you all again next week. Glad you were here today.